Hey, I want you to turn to Luke. I'm not going to go straight there, but I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're in a series called Kingdom. And it has been a series I've been looking forward to for a long time. How many of you were able to be here last week? I know not all of you because it was a bit of a low Sunday. I was like, what the heck, man? Um, it's always when I start a series. And, um, and, uh, and so we, we were in this series. We started with this idea that before you can talk about the kingdom coming, you have to be willing to talk about the king who brings it. And so we talked about Jesus, the king. And we talked about every kingdom requires a king. So that was kind of the setup. And we, we referenced Acts chapter 17, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. You need to go read it. Um, and, and I've shared this in a few different places. It is one of my favorite uh, chapters. And Acts 17, 7 says this, that the men were, that Jason was brought before the court, really brought before the crowd. It wasn't really the court. This is very impromptu. Remember, they got some scoundrels together. Do you remember that? They got some scoundrels together. They made a mob and they started a riot. Those are three things you should not do, ever. And, uh, and so these guys did this and, uh, and then they brought Jason before because they couldn't find the guys they were really looking for. And they said, these guys have turned the world upside down. And I loved it because they didn't know it, but they were prophesying over the future of the church that this would actually impact the world. Right? At the time, it hadn't impacted the world. That's not what had happened. But to them, everything they knew had been impacted by this being flipped upside down. And so the whole point of this kingdom series is that our lives would be flipped upside down. Now understand, the kingdom of God does come at you looking upside down. But when you begin to get into the kingdom, you realize it has actually turned your life right side up. Right? That you, you went from death to life. That you went from uh, worry to trust that you went from fear to faith and all of those things when you first look at them seem very contradictory to what you're feeling and that's why the kingdom of God doesn't operate based upon how you're feeling your feelings are then directed by the kingdom you operate in and so it's really important for us to get the king because everything about the kingdom emanates from the character of the king and so if we know who Jesus is we know who the kingdom what the kingdom should look like in fact the kingdom should produce those who look like the king. So if the king is insecure, is temporary, can be pushed around by other things, maybe start putting words like finances in there or uh, car or career. or if, if those things can be put, then, then, then the kingdom begins to be that way. The kingdom begins, and so you find people who are insecure on the inside, and so they're doing things to people they love because they're not sure how to deal with what's going on on the inside. So you find that in the kingdom. But if the king is secure, is strong, is faithful, is serving and sacrificial, believes about the best about people, loves people to death, then all of a sudden you find in the kingdom, or you should find in the kingdom, people who would do the same. People who would become like the king. And that's the king we have. And so as we talk through this kingdom series, we want to talk through this idea that as we, as we begin to be people who pray this kingdom prayer, and we have this kingdom pursuit, and we have this kingdom viewpoint, that we would become more and more like the king who reigns in that kingdom. Amen? All right. You good? You with me? I know we've already had a good morning, but it ain't done yet. And if I don't get through all this, we'll, we'll jump off next week, and it'll just be a tease, and you'll have to kind of come back. It's all good. Uh, and and, and I, let me just stress this, because the kingdom, because it's one thing to say, like, last week we talked about Jesus the king, 
okay? Uh, but then you start getting into kingdom, like that word. We don't use that word anymore. That's not really what we do. Kingdom's not, we do democracy. And, we, and so this, why, why do we have to talk about kingdom? Well, there's a few reasons. One of, it, one of the reasons is because the very first thing Jesus ever did in his ministry was say, repent for the kingdom has arrived. The very first thing he preached was the kingdom. And guess what? The very last thing he preached was the kingdom. In fact, if you go with me to Acts chapter 1, verse, well, you don't have to go there. I told you to go to Luke. Just hang out in Luke. It's fine. Acts chapter 1, it'll be, I believe it'll be on the screen. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Jesus started by saying, repent. The kingdom is here, meaning turn from what you thought would make you right and come into the kingdom that will. And then he ends it by he died on a cross. He rose again. He appears to a bunch of people, begins to prove to them, no, this is really me. I'm, I'm Jesus. I know. I know. It's messing with your head. I get it. But this is me. It's really me. And the thing he decides to talk about is the kingdom. I know when I go and travel and I leave and, and Mare's with the boys and now Kaysen's at an age where he knows I'm leaving. And, and every time I sit with him, the last thing I do, I don't talk to him about what he had for lunch that day. I, I don't talk to him about how he's going to be provided for. I don't talk to him about like, like what did you, what'd you like about that cartoon? I don't talk to him about, I, this is usually focuses around a few things. Listen to your mom, right? Listen to your mom. I love you and you're my champ. I tell them the things that I think are the most important things before I leave. Even if it's just for a day. Before I leave, I, hey, you need to know this. And this is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. Jesus has suffered. He died. He rose again, which sounds like a, quite an experience. And he comes back and he begins to prove himself to people. And then he begins to talk about the kingdom. And they misunderstand it. We're not going to talk about that now. But they misunderstand it. They go, okay, so who's number one in the kingdom? I mean, that's not, what? No. Mm -mm. We'll talk about that later. Just earmark that. And Jesus, over and over and over, in fact, you could argue, and many people do argue, that the, the primary message of Jesus was not necessarily Savior, but was King. It, it, it's this idea that we have faith for him to save, but we also have trust that he will rule. You know, many of us will have this faith that, oh, he can save me from my sin. Think about this. Think about the Israelites who left Egypt. Man, he saved, oh, he got us through the Red Sea. He got us, oh, this is all, what, man, he saved us. But then when it came time for him to say, hey, no, now you do. Well, I'm, I'm going to set some things in place, and I want you to do these things because it's the right thing for you, and it's the healthy thing for you, and it's the best thing for you. And they just had the toughest time in the world letting God be God. You ever have that time? I do. I have a tough time with that every once in a while. Thank you for setting me free. I'm glad I'm alive. Yippee. But I'm just, I've got it from here. Anybody know that feeling? It's like when I, I, I make a drink for Kaysen and he goes, let me hold it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't trust that lid. I'm not really sure about, okay, oh, okay. You know, you know what, why do I know, Dad? I want to, and we do that with the king, don't we? We go, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this thing. I mean, I thank you for filling up my life. Rivers of the living water. Oh, thank you. But I've got this. i got this. But Jesus' central message throughout the Gospels and really throughout the, the whole New Testament is you see this idea of the kingdom. You see this idea of the kingdom. In fact, 
I'm going to just read this to you. The kingdom of God occurs four times in Matthew. Now, and, and, and the exact phrase, kingdom of God, just to be clear, because the kingdom of heaven appears in Matthew many, many, many more times. 14 times in Mark, 32 times in Luke, twice in the Gospel of John, six times in Acts, eight times in Paul, and once in Revelation. Matthew actually prefers the term kingdom of heaven, which he uses over 20 times in the Gospel. At the basic level of vocabulary, we see that the Matthew uses the word basili, basili as some, some 55 times, either saying kingdom of God, the Father's kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Listen, this kingdom idea, in fact, he would, Jesus would summon and say, the way you enter the kingdom, he would say, the way you access the kingdom. And we say this phrase like, we were going to build the kingdom. There is never a phrase mentioned that says, build the kingdom. It is always about receiving the kingdom and the kingdom coming, which is usually means there's a willingness to surrender to the rule and the king who brings the kingdom. This is good stuff, y'all. Like, this, these next few weeks are going to be, it's going to be good. Chris Lee texted me last week and was like, hey, man, I love talking about the kingdom. It's a good, I'm telling you, and we could have some good discussions. I, I just want today, if you want to write a message title down, today's message title would be the kingdom priority, a kingdom priority. And we're going to read a, a verse, and m- maybe you've heard this verse. He preaches this message, Jesus does, in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, and it's his first message. Well, really, we're not... It's his first recorded message. It's the first one that he gets up, and we have all of it. And he preached a lot longer than I preached, so just I want to just throw that out there. Um, I'm doing you a solid. And, uh, and, and Jesus preaches this message. Not only that, but he's all over the place. Like, he's talking about salt of the earth. He's talking about adultery. He's talking about, like, I'm going to go find you. And I'm, like, he's talking about, in a good way, like sheep, right? And, uh, he's, I, like, he talks about all these things. He's, like, all It's not, like, one topic. He goes, like, I'm going to do seven series at one time. And they sat there for the whole day. I was thinking about doing church like that. We'll just do a whole day. We'll just sit on a hilltop. I'll break some fish and bread, <laughs> and we'll, we'll be good. And um, uh, give me some long johns. And, um, and so, so Jesus starts this message. But here's what you got to understand. Jesus, and what, we may read it differently because we don't fully understand this idea of kingdom. But really, as you look through that message, he's talking about the kingdom. What he's doing is setting a new standard. He's setting a new way of living. So in fact, the very first thing he says is they will inherit the kingdom. And then he says this right about in the middle somewhere in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first. Everybody say first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. I mean, I listen, some of the greatest things he ever says are the hardest things to apply. They're the hardest things to believe. Wait, you're saying all these things. Okay, so some of them, you know, like you're, you, you, you kind of tend to exaggerate. Like you're saying some, like all, but some, really. Right? It's like yesterday, the, 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 the ladies were supposed to be there an hour early, so they got there a half an hour early. And I told the fellows, I said, that's why they said an hour early. So they're there a half an hour and, and, and here's the thing, we, t- we read that verse and we do not believe that verse. We don't. We, we believe that, that God would bring some of these things and then we'll have to work for some of them and some of these other things. We'll, we don't believe, we, we just, it's hard to believe that verse. All these things, like all the things that I'm worried about right now while Pastor Brandon is preaching, I'm thinking about this, 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 and this. And you're telling me if I would shut off all of those things and really just lock in and focus in on your kingdom and your purpose and your reign, that all of those things 
will be added into my life. Are you sure? And the only way to really get the context of this is if you go and read the, the, really where he is leading into that verse. Because we read that verse oftentimes and we go, okay, uh, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to us. And we go, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Like, I get that. But if you don't read the, the part before that, the context, if you don't read what he's leading up to with that, then you kind of don't understand what he's actually speaking against. Because he's not saying simply seek first. He's saying seek first in spite of and in light of and in rejection of this. He actually spends more time telling you not to worry about this and then tax on at the end, seek first the kingdom. So I want you to go to Luke. Now, this is pretty much the same. If you were to read Luke 12 and Matthew 6 next to each other, at least this portion of it, you would find that they're very, very similar. So if you went to Luke, and the only reason I want to read it is because I like some of the things he says. They both record it just a bit differently, but it's very much a similar thing. So Luke chapter 12. Everybody turn there. Luke chapter 12. And we're just going to read the context. We're just going to kind of walk through what is he trying to say. And we're going to end with that verse we just read. But I think you're going to have a different view of that verse when we read what is leading up to that verse. Does that make sense? So like yesterday when, when, um, when A&M finally won the game in double overtime, if, you don't, if all you know is that they won it in double overtime, you don't fully understand what they did. You know what I'm saying? It, what, what I, I watched a bridal party who were all Aggies delay the wedding because they needed to watch live the, the end of the A&M Tennessee game. And I'm just going to tell you, the bride was part of it. So that's why they got away with it. And I kept walking over going, how are my orange doing? How the, volu- how the Tennessee volunteers doing? And they didn't like me very much. And they're all big cowboys. So um, I pulled in and I thought, I got to buy a truck. Like, seriously, the, these trucks were huge. I wanted to post it online. They were all massive. They were all bigger than me, like taller than me. Like I just, I couldn't even climb the wheel. It was insane. And um, anyways, welcome to Texas. And so Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. I'm actually going to read this out of the New Living, um, and it will be on the screen for you if you don't have New Living. But Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Luke chapter 12, verse 22. We want to make sure we know why he's saying, seek first the kingdom. Verse 22, it says this, and Jesus is talking here. He says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why. That is why. What is why? I don't understand. What do you mean? That is why. Well, what is why? Well, Jesus has just, both in Matthew and in Luke, emphasized the contrasting kingdoms. He has said that money doesn't work. It, 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 money does not solve all your problems. And you cannot serve two masters, that's in Matthew, okay? Luke talks a bit of a different way about it, but he definitely emphasizes this idea that money will not solve everything, it will not fix everything, and in fact, if you are serving money, you're actually going to have a tough time serving God. And, and, and he's not necessarily trying to make this just about money. What he's trying to do is remind you that these kingdoms operate differently, He's contrasting these kingdoms. He's saying that this kingdom that's all about your provision and what you want and what you need and what you've got to get and what you've got to have is different than this kingdom where it's all about what God wants and what God does and what God wants and what God's going to make happen. And I know right off the bat our first instinct is to say, I don't like that side. Because where's the me part? I want, I want to carry this cup. I'm, I'm, I promise you, we'll get to the, the good news about that. In just a moment. 
He goes on to say, I tell you, that is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. I tell you, not to worry about life. <laughs> okay, whatever you say. <laughs> right? So, I mean, this sounds, this sounds kind of ridiculous. Hey, this is why I tell you, don't worry about life. I want, are you hearing me? Don't worry about life. What do you, what do you, what, what? What do you mean don't worry about every day? That doesn't even make, I have to worry about every day. There's things going on. In fact, he addresses the two things that I think about the most when I wake up in the morning. What I'm going to eat and what I'm going to wear. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you need to worry a bit more about what you, I'm just joking. Zing. And, uh, but I, I, listen, I wake up every day going, all right, I got to eat something. All right, I got to put something on. And Mary's like, thank goodness, right? I, I, what am I going to eat and what am I, and, and he's not, again, he's, he's alluding to something a bit greater, but he's trying to tell you these, these everyday things that we worry about so much that I get the kicks that everybody else has. Am I driving the car that everybody else is driving? Do I have the Instagram followers that everybody else has? Do I, do I, have, I, have I hooked up with that person? Have I, have I talked to that person? Have I, have I made the move on that All these things, all this everyday life junk that just gets in out. He's saying, don't worry about it. And even the good stuff, don't worry about that either. Like, don't, don't stress about those things. Even the things you eat and even the things you wear, Jesus is addressing in us the everyday concerns. And he's saying, don't worry about them. And I wish I could do that. I really do. I wish every day I would wake up and not worry about what I'm going to get done that day. I wish I could wake up every day and not worry about the thing I have to pay for and the thing I have to buy and the thing I have to go to and the job I'm going to that I don't like anymore and the, the job, I used to like it, but I don't like it anymore, right? I, 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 I don't want to be there anymore. I, I, I don't want to worry about my marriage anymore. I don't want to worry. Listen, I, I get that. It's hard. That is not easy. But then he goes on and he says this statement, and I think this is such a key statement. Verse 23, for life is more. For life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Don't worry about these things, because there's more for you. Life is bigger than this. And isn't that, I mean, I feel like that's the question we all ask on a regular basis. Whether we are we end the day with our stomachs full or, or hurting because we haven't eaten. What, whether we end the day wearing clothes we've worn for six years or the clothes we just bought yesterday. Or whether we, whether we end the day coming home from a job or whether we're still looking for a job. We, we, whatever we're in, wherever we are, I feel like we all ask that question, isn't there more to this? It's amazing to me that we can be in completely different positions in life, in completely different seasons in life, and we can still ask the very same question, isn't there more to this? Isn't there more to my marriage? Isn't there more to my relationships? Isn't there more to my meaning and purpose? Isn't there more to my life and what I'm here for than just what I can consume and what I can accumulate and what I have? Isn't there more to this? And I would say that there is a world asking that question every single day. And here, right here, Jesus is addressing it. He's saying it is more. 
There, oh, without question, there is more. That life is more than what you can wear and what you can eat. Life is more than what you can have and what you can get. I found that no matter how much I have, I worry. And no matter how little I have, I worry. Come on, some of you are going, man, I can't wait till Friday. I'll get my paycheck and everything will be good. And then you get your paycheck and you go, God, I wish I had more money. We worry regardless. That's, that's just what we do. And God says, no, there is more. Jesus says, there is more to life than this. And then he goes on and gives us a picture of what it should really look like in our life. Verse 24, look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest, store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far, far more valuable to him than any bird. I always knew that. I always thought that. I just, now I know. He, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't do anything. They just go and eat. He goes on later to talk about flowers. They just grow. And it's a picture of what the kingdom should look like. You be who you're called to be. And God will take care of making you more. It's when we try to live as someone we're not meant to be that we actually find ourselves frustrated because we're not growing. Well, you're not made to grow that way. God didn't create you to grow like that. He created you to grow as you. You're to be more human, to be more humble. To be more willing to let God shape you and make you. Like this is, this is the, the crux of the matter. Is our willingness to surrender our everyday life so that he can make us into people who live for eternity. It, it's, it's this idea that we have to be willing to let God be God. Our truest version of self is the most humble version of ourselves. Because it is in our humility that God lifts us up. Right? The Bible says that. I didn't make that up. I'm not trying to give you some, like, pat on the back. I'm telling you, the Bible says that those who humble themselves will, in right time and right place, will be lifted up. It's the same idea of those who would be baptized, brought down, humbled before God, identifying with his death, willing to put him in the rightful place so that he could be brought back to life and you would be lifted out of whatever you were in. Come on, y'all. And are you not more, and that's, I guess that's the big deal, isn't it? Do you think you're more valuable than that? Do you think you're worth it? That he would take care of you like he takes care of the birds? Maybe that's the big question for you. It's not whether or not... Um, you trust God as a good God, but whether or not you trust you're, willing, you're a good creation for him to take care of. If we would humble ourselves, if we would put ourselves willing to put him first in our lives. And he goes on in verse 25. Verse 25. And he asks a really big question. Is this good for y'all? Yeah. All right. Verse 25. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Go ahead and answer. Good. Glad you answered that correctly. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, do you notice what he just said? He said adding time to your life is a little thing. Just, I didn't notice that until just now. And if worry can't accomplish a little thing, like making your life more meaningful in the time that you have, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? 
What is the use of worrying over these bigger things? Now, I want to be really clear. This is not a quit question, and it's not, absolutely not, a careless question. He's not saying, man, you should just give up on life. Why even worry about life? Who cares about life? He's not saying that. And he's also not saying, okay, he's also not saying, hey, you should just be careless and do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, because it'll work out for you. Just get this credit card. Oh, and that credit. Why not add a third? Everything's better in threes. Get that. Just be, just do whatever you want. Spend it. Go above the limit. Like, just, and pay the minimum. Like, just do what. No, listen, listen, God is not, Jesus is not saying quit on it, and he's also not saying be careless with it. He's telling you, here's a different approach. He's not necessarily saying, I'm addressing the action of life. He's actually addressing the attitude of worry. Do you hear me? So he's not saying, don't do life. He's not trying to tell you life doesn't work here. He's trying to tell you that you should have a different attitude towards life. That worry should not be your default mode when it comes to how you live. We should be tweeting this message because this is good stuff right now. Some of your friends need to hear this. I'm, not, I, I'm talking about the Bible. I'm not propping my, I'm just saying, listen, this is stuff that matters to people. This is the stuff that is hanging people up all the time. It says this is, listen, don't Worry about life. It's not, don't quit. Don't be careless. Because worry ultimately is driven by what? Fear. And God doesn't work in fear. That's not where God hangs out. God hangs out in faith. And worry is fear driven. I mean, it's selfish. It's focused on me. Right? It's focused on what I can do. And it's also focused on the idea that everything I'm worrying about has let me down. Everything I'm worrying about has let me down. Money's let me down. My job has let me down. Friends have let me down. Family have let me down. Why do we worry? Because nothing has ever been as perfect and as good as God. And so we worry because before it didn't work, and I've seen my family members, and it didn't work for them, and a co-worker, it didn't work for them, and, and I've got that. And so we, we, we allow those things to define the attitude of our heart. Are you with me? So we worry, and it's valid worry. It's just that God's saying, that's not really where you should hang out. You spend all your days worrying, it ain't going to fix anything. I don't know if you've worried all day and woke up the next day and everything's good. I feel like that's not how it goes. I feel like if I worry all day, I wake up the next day going, how can I add to the worry? Right? Or there's a new thing to worry about. And so now I've got to put off that worry, and I'll come back to that worry, but I'm going to worry about this worry right now, and then I'll worry about the next worry, and somewhere along the way I'll figure out how to live this life of faith. But we keep feeding the worry. And he goes on. This is good. This is, Bible's good, man. Verse 27. Look at the lilies, and this is back to kind of another bird statement. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory. Now he's addressing Solomon because Solomon is a rich man. And everything he had and everything that he owned and everything he'd done was not dressed as beautifully as they. Because he was trying to earn it. And these guys just lived it. They just became who they were supposed to be. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? 
that goes back to the question before. Do we believe God can do it or do we believe we're worth it? Which one? We might have a problem with both questions. Might have a problem with just one of the questions. But will God provide? Can he provide? Verse 29. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. Verse 30. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Message translation says it like this. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. I'm telling you, there's some of you right now who are on the cusp of really walking in this message and walking in what God's trying to say. And there's part of you even right now that are fighting this and you're going, I'm just not sure about this. I just don't know. And I'm, I, I want to trust. I'm just, man, press in. The Holy Spirit's prompting you and he's pushing on you and he's pulling on you and he's, he's just saying, hey, just go with me for a second. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Now, on one hand, we could sit there and go, yeah, those unbelievers over there, they're dominated by this. They don't know God, and they do not know how he works, so they are fussy. You know what Jesus is really doing here? He's going, yo, you're my disciples. Quit being dominated like those who do not know me. It was kind of one of those things, he's like, they're like, yeah, those unbelievers, we're disciples. But they thought he was like congratulating them for being people who have faith. And what he's really doing, because he's not talking to anybody else. If you remember in the very first part of the scripture, it actually says he turned to them. He's talking specifically to the disciples. And he's saying, quit worrying. You are not to live like everybody else. You are supposed to live knowing that God will not let you down. You are supposed to live like God is for you. It is not, your title, I could care less about your title. Your income, I don't care about your income. I mean, I, I run all of this stuff. I made this thing, man, and I can make another one if I need to. I could take some away if I want to, but I need you to understand something. You should not live a life dominated by these things. You know me. I've walked this thing with you. You know me. And you know how I work. I will not let you fail. But if you keep worrying and you keep getting anxious and you have this anxiety over what you can or can't have and what you can or can't fix on your own accord or what you can pull off with your own strength, then you will, you will miss out on this freedom that comes when the king reigns in your life the way he should reign. It's not always easy. Man, Jesus might ask you to do some things you would never, ever think to do. Those who do not know me, they worry. But those who do know me, those who do know me, they trust me. They have faith. They know I can do this. And then he adds this line and says, but I, our Father, our Father, our Father, he already knows what you need. And here's the thing. It's really important for us to hear this because it's that statement. It's that verse 30 that allows him to say verse 31 with such strength and allows us to believe verse 31 with such abandonment that if we don't believe that previous verse, that says, man, the Father already knows what you need. You are not meant to live like that kingdom. You're meant to live in this kingdom. If we can get that, then we can get verse 31. 
He says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. That's a drop the mic moment. That is, I, I could end this right here and change your life forever. These are the words that are most often the inspiring words, but they are so often the most difficult words to apply to our life. Seeking the kingdom is, is really the song we sang earlier. Seeking the kingdom is, is, is two parts, but, but first it's, it's that he would rule in our hearts. That's to seek the kingdom. I will seek the kingdom, and he will rule in my heart. Because the only way he will rule on this earth is if he rules in his people. And so if he rules in us, the church, the people, then we will begin to see the prayer that he gives us as the model prayer begin to be happening on the earth. Is that his kingdom would come on the earth, but it comes through his people. It's almost as Jesus declared himself king by dying and rising again and doing the things he did. And then he left and said, church, the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to make disciples. And I want you to take this kingdom, this rule and reign, this upside down thinking, this kind of thing that shifts everybody out of worry and anxiety and puts them into a place of faith and hope and realizes that I will provide for you. I will. But see, some of the things we want so badly to be released in our life will not be released in our life until we release our life. That's why he says, you, listen, you, you must die to live. He says those who try to hold on to their life will lose it. But those who will lose their life will gain it. Why? Because if we would trust God, then it will release the very things that we have been striving for and worrying about and anxious about. If you would, above all else, seek the kingdom. Above all else. Above all else. And he's trying to get you to this point because what we seek is what we trust. What we strive for the most are the very things we trust the most. If I could just get, if I could get that marriage, man, that's, I'll be good. Man, if I could just get that money, I'll be good. If I just get that job, I'll be good. No, you won't. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you, you've all gotten a job before, and it didn't do what you thought it would do. And you've, you've gotten married, and you still had those things in your heart, the insecurities. Well, I just thought if I knew they loved me that I would be okay. No, it helps, and it's good. And you, I'm, not, I'm just saying there's still those things hanging around in your heart, your spirit. You got more money, and then you spent it all. In fact, you spent money you probably don't even have. And you're still worried. Why? Because worry will never, will, will never fix your life. It's about us willing to, to let God be God. In fact, I think Peter, Peter, the worry was when Peter began to look at the, the waves. Faith was when he kept his eyes on Jesus. And so all these things. See, Peter, here's the thing. He would have never known that he needed to walk on water. Until he fixed his eyes on Jesus. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he could no longer walk on water. And he's drowning in the waves he's now trying to swim in. There are things in our lives we will never achieve and never see 
until we're willing to put God where he belongs. I need to wrap up. But I feel like this is good enough. We're all right. And he adds at the very end of this statement, he adds this, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know why I think he has to add that statement? Because he should be able to just say this, seek first the kingdom of God. Got it? All right. Above all else, put the kingdom of God. He should just be able to say that, right? Like he is God. He is Jesus. He should just be able to go, hey, dear, just seek the kingdom of God. But he knows that if he had just left it there, every one of us would have been like, yeah, but these things. Yeah, but these, these things over here. I got these things. Over, I want to, I'll get there, but I've got these things over here that just don't seem to, they're not working. They're not clicking. They're not, I got these things. And so he says, seek first the kingdom. And before you say anything else, all those things, they'll be added to your life. The things you need, they'll show up. I promise. But seek first the kingdom. In fact, Paul said this in Philippians 4. It's what we talked about earlier. Don't worry about anything. It sounds familiar. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And hear this. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The way you usher the kingdom of God into your life is by putting Jesus as king of your life. We will not see the kingdom fulfilled in our life until the kingdom is first. We just won't. We will not see the kingdom of God on earth until we're willing to put the kingdom of God above earth. The reason we don't see his kingdom in our world is because we're too worried about our own kingdom. This, I'm, I want you to hear this. This is a message of hope. Okay, this really is. This is a message of faith. This is a message of peace. This is a message of grace. This is a message of overflowing life. This is a message of forward thinking. It's a message of vision and dream. It's a message of purpose. Understand that. I know, but it's hard, isn't it? It's not easy to go, I'm not going to worry about life. I mean, even while I was preaching, after I read that verse, like two minutes later, you were back into, oh, my God. Oh, my, oh, my gosh. What, like, what? Don't worry about life. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Don't worry about it. But above all things, let the kingdom of God rule. And all these things will be added. The right desires, the right provision, the right strength. Seek first his kingdom. When you sit down to pray, turn your phone off. Take all that other junk away. Let God be God. And hang out with him longer than you hang out with the newspaper telling you all the things that are going bad. Hang out longer than you do with Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. Hang out longer with him than you do with those things that cause you so much worry. Because what you worry about most and what you focus on most is the thing you trust the most. And if you trust things that are temporary, guess what? Your life will be temporary. Every day will be a new day, but not in a good way. It'll be a new day because you're going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do Oh my gosh, it's another problem. Oh my gosh, it's another worry. Oh my gosh, I've got this debt. Oh my gosh, I've got this. Oh my gosh. Look, there's wisdom in seeking God. Maybe the very first thing he gives you is wisdom. Maybe the very first thing he gives you is abundance. I don't know what it looks like. I just know that all these things, I'm not, I'm not letting God off the hook on this one. All these things, all these things will be added to my life. When I allow him, when I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and his purpose and his rule and his reign, all these things will be added 
to me that strength I need, that vision I thought died, that hope that is not fulfilled. All these things will be added to my life. Come on, come on. All these things, are you hearing me? Don't quit, don't get careless. Trust God, press into Him, and allow the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and understanding and hope, and maybe, just maybe, that job you've been wanting and that relation you've been striving for and all the things that have been going on, if you would seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added, and it must be in that order. Come on, don't live like those who don't know Him and how He works. Let us live like people who know him and know how he works, that he is faithful, that he will not leave us, and he will not forsake us. And while we may think this temporary thing is taking way too long, there is an eternity of proof and an eternity of hope that says, no, God is for you. He is not leaving. And no matter how many times you mess up trying to rule your own life, I will rule forever. God, we thank you right now. We thank you. God, we thank you that today is the day that we rejoice and be glad because you made it. God, today is the day we rejoice because you reign. Today is the day we draw near because we know you will draw near. Today is the day that we believe that you are for us and not against us. Today is that day. We will not live like those who do not know you. But we will live like those who know who you are and how you work. If we would trust you. If we would seek you first. God, some of us have questions we need answered. And all we're trying to do is answer the questions. We're asking you, God, how do I do this? Well, I'll tell me how I'm going to do this. And, and instead, we need to go, God, who do I need to be? What do I need to change? And then just sit and wait. Open up his Bible. Get with some people who can encourage us. God, I pray right now, there's some of us fighting against even this idea, even this statement right now, that if we would just put you above all else, all those things, all those things, we might have to, there might be some holes we got to dig out of. There might be some things we got to get right. There might be some people we got to talk to. And it may not be easy and simple and just, well, that's just fun. But, but I know that if we would trust you and be led by you, we will see all these things added to our life. But first, 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 our kingdom priority, our kingdom pursuit is that you would reign in our hearts because of that, we would have strength and peace and hope and faith. If that's you today, and you would say, you know, at one point in my life, I did. I, I sought God. I, I really, the kingdom of God was first. I didn't worry about how successful I am. I didn't worry if my paycheck was bigger than the next guy's. I didn't worry about how many deals I closed. I didn't worry about those things. I just trusted you. And, and, and in fact, when I did that, things worked. It was, it was crazy. But I've gotten to a point because of circumstances that have made it hard or relationships that have fallen apart or whatever it is, I've just had a really tough go and, and I've started to worry more and I've started to be anxious more and I've started to, to consume myself with those things more than your thing. I've stopped trusting you and seeking you first. Some of you today, you want to reset. You want to reset. Now that's you today. And you say, you know, I want to seek God first again. I want to seek God first. Today's the day. If that's you, would you just right now, would you just raise your hand with every head bowed, every eye closed? Thank you, man. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand up. I see that in the back. Thank you. Thank you. I see that as well. Thank you. 
Anybody else? Anybody else? Fantastic. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me as we close? God, we thank you. God, we thank you. Let me ask one more question. Go ahead and close your eyes again. Just Maybe there's some of us in here. I just want to give this chance. There's somebody in here who say, you know what? I've never, ever made God the Lord of my heart. I've never made him the king. I've always tried to do it myself. And it, it, it just ain't working. I get stuff and I still worry. I have more, but I'm still frustrated. I, I thought I'd, if I just did this, I'd make it. But there's just something that inside just continues to be frustrated. Is that you today? You say, I want to make king. I want to make him king today for the first time. I want to give Jesus my life. I want to give him everything. I want to surrender myself to him. If that's you, if there's anybody in here right now, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Anybody in here says, that's me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, thank you so much. Come on, would you just give them a round of applause? How awesome is that? How fantastic is that? Come on, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Hey, listen, what we're going to do, I'm going to dismiss because we're running just a bit behind. All right, we're going to sing. If you got to go, you got to go. But we've got people here, Shane and Talisha and Scott and Becca, both pastors on our team, and uh, they'd love to pray with you. And I don't care if you've been here a long time and or you just the first time. If you need to pray, pray. Do you hear me? If you need to pray, pray. And while we sing this song, I want to open these up, and I would love for you to just come. They're going to real quickly just pray with you and agree with you. Just agree. Whatever it is, whatever's going on in your life. Amen? Whatever's going on in your life. If you raise your hand at any point, I'd love for you to come and pray with them. And they'll stick around longer than the song. But We're going to sing this song just real quickly one time through. We love you. Thank you so much. Tomorrow night, Vision Builders Gala is going to be phenomenal. Please come. It's going to be great. Dinner parties all week. What a great church to be a part of. All right, let's sing.